Welcome to Soul Talk, soulful conversations exploring who you are, why you're here, and how to live your most authentic life. My name is Coop Blackson, nationally best-selling author of You Are The One, transformational teacher, and your host. I invite you to subscribe to the Soul Talk podcast for weekly inspiration from me, where I will share with you some powerful ideas, thoughts, and practical life wisdom to help you live life more fully, freeing yourself from your past, reclaiming your power, and living your true life's purpose. You can also go to www.coopblackson.com, enter your name and email to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment. Let's get started with Soul Talk. Today's episode, folks, is a special one. We are in for a real treat with someone I would say is a living legend. <laughs> uh, I had the, the privilege and opportunity to meet this woman, Dr. Gladys McGarry. Uh, hopefully I'm pronouncing the, the last name right. You did it right. She says yeah. I did it right. Um, she is a centenarian. You know what that means, folks. 102 years old. Depending on when you're listen to, listening to this, could be more. But just, just consider that for a second, folks. 102 years old. I mean, that is a well-lived life. And that's what we're here to talk about today. She is still a practicing doctor. She is the mother of holistic medicine. Uh, she's going to reveal her powerful, life-changing secrets for how to live a life of joy, vitality, and purpose at any age. And I think if anyone is going to speak on that topic, it's it's her. Well, I had the opportunity, uh, wow, I think it was maybe five years ago, maybe even a bit more. Oh, yeah. Yeah, maybe five years ago to meet her in Phoenix. And we had a lovely, lovely um, dinner. And it was... Uh, a real honor to meet her and sit with her and just gain some wisdom from her life experience. So, so I'm very excited to introduce you to her today. She's written a new book, which I invite you to all check out called the life well lived. Dr. Gladys, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. You are an inspiration. That's the bottom line. Let's just start there. You're an inspiration uh, just for your energy, your kindness, your generosity, um, your humility, all of it, you know, and uh, I'm very excited to introduce you to the Soul Talk community, very excited about your new book that you're packing in all of the wisdom into, into this one book. Um, I would just love to, to give people a bit of insight about your life. And then I want to dive into a bunch of questions, like just, <laughs> just give us a bit of a story, especially for those that don't know of you. Like, how did you even get into this field of holistic uh, wellness, medicine. Uh, how did that begin? Well, actually, it began probably when I was two years old <laughs> because my parents were both medical missionaries in India and took their work out into the jungles of North India. And we lived in tents and uh, I loved what they were doing. And I knew that I was going to be a doctor. In fact, I figured I already was. Wow. And uh, so life started then. And it's been, uh, every day has been a joy and a, and a, and a blessing. Uh, you know, you, you, you see what you look for. If you're not looking for it, you don't see things. But uh, my family, my mother was, an example of that. She 
always looked for the brighter side and found it. And so, of course, you learn. And uh, and their idea and their work with medicine was also centered around love. So that the really what I understood from a very young age, that no matter what the modality is that you're using for healing, if it's not centered in love, it doesn't do the work that it's supposed to do. Because the whole purpose of working with healing and, and any uh, uh, process like that is not, not necessarily, well, not centrally, getting rid of disease or pain, but it's getting the answer that the body wants to give to us as the person carrying whatever the disease or pain is and about what that is trying to tell us. Mm. Because within each one of us is what I consider the physician within us. Mm. Mm. And I learned that from my parents because that's the way they did things. And so uh, whatever the rest of the world of medicine was telling me, um, that was just sometimes empty sound because it wasn't, it didn't ring true. Mm. And what they were doing and saying did. Mm. 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 Wow. Got it. So you're saying there's a physician within us all. Oh. Um, and, 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 and so a couple of questions in one. Let's just dive, let's just dive right in. Let's right. dive right in. So, so there's a physician within us all. And so I guess I'm going to ask about three questions in one. So what is this physician within us? Or what is it? And why are so many of us in our Western culture, modern culture, sick if there's a physician within us? And how do we get in touch with this physician within us? I'm throwing as much as a bunch of things at you. I'll start with the last one. We get in touch with it by recognizing the fact that it's there. If you don't even know that, that we have within us that healing power, that physician within, who, who, how are we going to get in touch with it? You have to know that it's there, recognize that it's there, and then you can address it as any way you want to. Because, you know, it's, it's your responsibility. And what it is, in my estimation, what I think of as the physician within, is that spiritual energy which we all present, which make us human, the true human. And I think all of us are have that within us, the ability to do what E.T. did, you know, home. We're all facing and wanting to get back to our true humanity, which we've gotten all tangled up with, whatever. Mm. And so, it, and, and what I think of as diseases, I mean, the diseases that our bodies present to us, I think are lessons. I don't think they need to be uh, gotten rid of, mm. pain and so on. I think they need to be understood. Because mm. look at what Franklin Roosevelt did. He had post-polio syndrome. And look, he's a, a president that we all honor. There are people who, who have illnesses mm. that they'll never get rid of. 
Mm. But they know how to work with them because that very issue that they're dealing with all of the time with the illness is teaching them how to deal with that issue, which is teaching them how to live life and how to continue life and that life has to keep moving. And if you stop moving, if you get stuck in a, a place that says, oh, I've got this horrible or I am a diabetic or I am a disease, you get stuck in the disease and you think mm. you are. Mm. And medicine has not understood that. Ever since I started in medical school, when uh, the, right in December of, of 41, 1941, what I was being taught was that, the, that the, our purpose in medicine was to was a war against disease and pain. We were doing World War II. I mean, that was what we were out. But our, our focus as physicians was the enemy was disease and pain. And it hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. And so in my mind, we haven't really understood the message like we haven't so many understood, so many of the messages that Mother Earth has been giving us through the eat years and ages mm, mm. so you, you said something interesting so disease has a lesson every disease oh, yeah. has a lesson yes. and so let's say someone has disease whether it's you know some pain in the body or symptom or some you know diabetes cancer how does someone go about getting in touch with the lesson they might say well dr glass i'm asking myself what is the lesson I don't know what the lesson is. How, how did they get underneath that initial thought to, to, to the real lesson? All right. May I illustrate that with a story? Yes. I had two patients. These women, separate, separate they didn't know mm. each other, but I knew them. They both had lupus. And they were both at the same time coming in to see me, and I was working with them. And the one lady had, who had lupus, it was like, no matter what I did, mm. she didn't, it didn't respond well. Mm. She would uh, the, go back to the illness and just stuck with it. And, and it was, and went on for years. Mm. And the other one was a woman who had been diagnosed with lupus 10 years before. Mm -hmm. And had one day wakened and in bed and said to herself, am I going to spend the rest of my life like this? And she said, no way, you know. Mm -hmm. So she said, well, what is it that she's talking to herself? She said, what is it that's keeping me in bed? Mm. And she said, it's pain. And it's, it's, it's really bad pain. And she's so she says to herself, yeah, but that's not going to keep you in pain in bed. See that chair over there pain. You go sit in that chair and you stay there. Just stay there because you're in my way and I need to do what I need to do. And that was the way in which she handled pain. And so she went ahead and became a school teacher. And when I know, knew her as a patient, she'd been teaching school for 10 years. 
Mm. And every day she kept a chair in her room, which was empty, as far as anybody knew. As she, what she knew was that when the pain would get bad and she needed to do, she sent pain in that chair and went on with the work that she was going to do. Mm. The fascinating thing was one day these two women were in my office almost back to back. They were just saying, and I'm wondering to myself, you know, uh, I, I think that the way I'm dealing with this is the same for both. Each one, I, I, I'm concerned about them. I love them. I care about them. I'm doing what I, but the one is getting well, not, not, not well, because she's going on with her life. But the mm. other one is stuck. But then I went out to my car and I saw the one who was stuck. Her car was was parked next to mine and her license plate said lupus. So wow. you see, she had become lupus. Mm. She And so no matter what mm. I was going to do or what she was uh, listening to or not listening to, she was lupus. So mm. my job was to just continue and do what I could do, but let her handle this however she could. But the other lady was not lupus, and she wasn't even pain. Mm. Mm. She oh, was who she saw herself as, mm. and she was a school teacher. Mm. Mm. Wow. You know, there's, 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 I'm curious on, on your perspective on this. There's this school of thought, as you know, in, in the spiritual, personal growth world. Thoughts create things, uh, law of attraction. Um, sense that, like even in some, you know, teachings, like with your thoughts and your thinking, you can cure anything. But I'm kind of hearing you say, like, some diseases may not go away. Like, like is that the case? Are some are some diseases that people have meant to not go away or just through the possibility of our thinking, can we cure anything? Or is there some karma at play that this is just our destiny? And, and how, much, how much power do we have to heal ourselves completely? Or is it just also the sort of soul evolutionary karmic lessons that are at play? that someone needs to live with a disease in their lifetime? Or well, can we just oh, heal ourselves no matter what? Yeah, you've, you've said a mouthful and a whole, you know, with all these questions, you've asked the questions that have been asked since the beginning of time mm. and, and uh, sages and so on have answered them at their time as the way people could understand them. Mm. And some people could understand and some people couldn't mm -hmm. because some of us are stuck in what it is that is the so-called or whatever the disease is, or um, mm. it definitely is a body, mind and spirit connection. That's why I started working with, with the concepts that were, became the holistic world, because there were those of us physicians who knew that there was more to medicine than just body mind we knew that was there but we but uh, there had to be more because some people got it and some people didn't some people i have 
patient friend who just died last month at the age of 76. And she was she lived her whole life since she was 18 months old with one quarter of one kidney. Mm. How could none of us know how she did this? She didn't know how she did it, except that she knew she had a purpose. And she knew that she had certain things that she, within her being, knew she wanted to do and had to do before she lived her full life. Mm. But there, I have pretty patient, you know, person after person who has found what it is that they're, they came for. I believe that we all have a purpose here. One of the purposes is basically healing and working with ourselves in our own uh, body, mind, and spirit. Mm. And medicine, the main uh, field of medicine, does not recognize that spiritual element. So we started the American Holistic Medical Association because there were a whole group of us who knew that was important because it took us two years to mm. find the, how to spell holistic because we knew the H was important as the root word for health, healing, and holy. So mm. we knew that was important to put in there for the word holistic the way we were talking about it. Mm. And, um, and interestingly enough, um, way back when, I, my oldest son is a report, retired uh, orthopedic surgeon, but he came for, through Phoenix when he was just ready to go down to Del Rio and start his practice. He'd finished all of his uh, orthopedic training. And he said to me, Mom, I'm, I'm really scared. He said, I'm going to the world and I'm going to have people's lives in my hands. I, I don't know if I can handle that. Mm. And I said to him, well, Carl, if you think you're the one that does the healing, you have a right to be scared. Yes. If you can do the job that you have been trained to do, mm. which is amazing. Orthopedics is amazing work. If you can do that and do it the way it should be done and then support the patient as they do their own healing, you have nothing to be afraid of. Mm-hmm. And he had an um, amazing career in the field of, of orthopedics, and he's retired now and uh, a master gardener and all that kind of stuff. You know, it's it's a, a matter of what we can see as our purpose. And if you if there's any reality to karma, it's tied right in with this mm-hmm. because as we learn the lessons that we're looking to learn and work with that, life goes on. Mm. But if we we can't even see them, if we don't even know the lessons are there, if we think that we become the lupus, become the disease, then we go ahead and deal with it however we deal with it. But it's a personal understanding of what it is and what our lives are, our purposes, and what we can do to help ourselves and help the purple. And and in my experience, 
we don't do it alone. We mm -hmm. all need a, a community in mm -hmm. which to work. Mm. Beautiful. Um, I'm curious, you know, you're what, 102, 103? Uh -huh. Wow. Well, That's 102 cool. and uh, almost a half. <laughs> <laughs> the half counts. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, wow. That means I must have met you when you were around 95 or something uh -huh. in, in, in that zone. That's right. beautiful. Um, before I ask a few more questions, like how, how much does diet play into health and wellness? Because when you start doing some research, there's so much varying thought on you got to be vegan. No, be vegetarian. No, be microbiotic. Then you got some guy that's no, only eat raw liver. Another person <laughs> that's like paleo. It's, it, it, it can be so confusing. So look, clearly you've made it to 102 and, and you're, you're, you're vital and healthy and fully like vibrant. So if anyone has a insight that that needs to be listened to, it's, 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 it's you. And so I'm curious your thoughts on diet and, and, and you maybe help provide some clarity on, is there a diet that tends to be better for us as human beings? Are, are there some things we should be aware of? Are there some things you've done and learned? Are there some things we should, are there any things you can demystify for us? Because some people say veganism is bad. Some people say red meat is bad. Some people say red meat is amazing. So it can be confusing. Well, my diet is simply what works for me. <laughs> and it doesn't, it doesn't work for the next person. Mm. You know, I can, well, first of all, I love Indian food mm. and I love the peppers and all that. Well, that doesn't work for people, mm -hmm. but it does for me mm -hmm. because I grew up with it. And so it, how, how can I say to a person who comes in as a patient, you have to be, do this kind of a diet because that's what I do. Uh-uh. Mm. I do what I do because it works for me. Okay. But my children are different. Um, uh, I had my fourth son when he, he wouldn't eat eggs. And I said, why won't you eat eggs? He says it gives me a headache. Well, I, but he said it gives me a headache in my stomach. So <laughs> anyway, it was that kind of understanding that he, he really doesn't like eggs and he doesn't, they, they don't agree with him. Mm -hmm. And um, I personally uh, don't drink a lot of milk because it doesn't agree with me. Mm. So it's not, it's not a, proscribed diet that I give, except it is one that I say to each one patient, well, what works for you? Yeah, yeah. And if you find something that you, you know, um, I like some chocolate now and then. I, I think chocolate's good food. Mm. But if, if, it didn't, if it doesn't work for you, don't eat it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Got it. That's beautiful, simple, but but true. But um, most most truths are very simple if we look at. Yeah. So so look, you lived 102. You've had quite a life. How many children have you have you had? Can I ask? Six. Six. Six kids. Uh huh. Wow. 
<laughs> they're all grown up and they have kids and I have grandkids. Yeah, it just hit me when you said, well, yeah, my son's retired. I'm like, wow, that's, 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 <laughs> that's wild. That's wild. Um, so a well-lived life. How do you define a well-lived life? What is a well-lived life? It's what each person defines for themselves. Mm. A well-lived life isn't the life that I'm living. I'm telling you that how I live my life. Mm-hmm. The well-lived life is how, how the reader gets mm-hmm. it. The reader, it's their life that is that is a well-lived life. It's going to be or not be, mm-hmm. but it's it's how. You know, if if your life gives you joy because you're looking for joy. See, I, I have come across a, a service, a template. I have five L's that I think are, are sort of the foundation. The first one is life. Without life, we don't have anything. You know, yes. so life is essential. But life by itself mm. is like a seed. It can be in the uh, pyramids, and it's still there. It's got mm. the, the energy of the whole universe within it, but it doesn't do anything. It can't do anything with that energy until love cracks the shells around it and allows life to be. So life and love are integral. They, they in. And they're inherently is essential for our very existence. Mm. It's the sperm and the ovum, the the night and the day, the blood. You know, it's this ongoing process that we find as we find our lives. So, mm. so the first two L's, I call them my five L's. The first two L's are life and love. Without those, uh, I think life can be very empty. However, the third one is laughter. Mm. Laughter without love is cruel. It's Mm. cold. It's mean. But laughter with love is joy and happiness. Mm -hmm. The The fourth one is labor. Labor without love is drudgery. You know, gotta go to work. Too Mm. many diapers. This, you know, it's, it's to, but labor with love is bliss. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's why you do what you do. It's why I do what I do. Why a painter paints, why a singer sings. It's, it's the, that inner essence of ourselves that needs to express itself. Mm-hmm. And the way it expresses itself just makes us happy and blissful. And, and life goes on and, and, and you're constantly reaching for light and understanding there's always more and mm. every day is 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 new and mm. every day has lessons in it and so on and then the fifth one is understanding i mean is it i it got it wrong the fifth one is listening 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 without love is empty sound the clanging dong dong and all that kind of stuff but listening with love is understanding. And when you begin to listen with love, you can understand things that you really didn't know mm. and, and couldn't figure out. But you know, 
okay, okay. And you begin to understand. And so sometimes it just takes a, a long time to understand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Five L's. Yeah. Talk about love for a moment. Um, love can be, as in relationships for people, can be yeah, a source of great joy, but also great pain. Oh, many, for, for many absolutely. reasons. And so in your time on this earth, I would love to know what you have learned or, or the main lesson that you've learned about love as it relates to relationship, you know, marriage, romance, that you feel you would love to, you wish you knew. Or, or yeah, what are the most important lessons you've learned in relationship that, that you feel could help us? Well, I was married for 46 years. Wow. <laughs> had six children, did the creative work that we did together, absolutely. And then he asked for a divorce. Oh. And all of a sudden, I was thrown into the outer space as far as I was concerned. Wow. Because we had practiced our work together. We'd created the... Uh, American Holistic Medicine Medical Association. We had, all of this work we had done together, we'd raised these six children, amazing people, these six children. And life was just great. Wow. And then I had nothing. I mean, all that I we had worked together was gone because I, uh, he said, well, we can still lecture together. I said, no way, you know, uh, and so we split, mm. but fortunately, my youngest daughter had just joined us as mm. a physician, and she and I started our own practice and built on that mm. and kept going until I moved from the concept of holistic medicine into the concept of living medicine and on and on until mm. we are my basic fo focus now is the village for living medicine, but mm. I have a huge life that I've had to do. But I, for a long time, I was so pained that I, just thinking about Bill made me hurt. I mean. Mm -hmm. can, I, can I ask, like, if it's okay, like, why did you divorce suddenly? It sounded like it threw you for a loop. He married his nurse. Okay. Oh, got it. How did so, you deal with that? Like you said, you were so pained. Like, I, I can't imagine being married for 46 years and, and having that, you know, love and trust and connection. And, and then boom, one day, just yeah. gone. I, I thought I, I thought I was going to die. I mean, I just really mm -hmm. didn't think I could go on, but I still had the practice. I still had patience. I had this daughter who had just joined me and we were, we were able to within two weeks, of when Bill left, move out of the clinic that we had built together and start a new office. We started mm -hmm. the uh, Scottsdale Holistic Medical Group. I couldn't have done it without my friends, my family, my children. I mean, the support that I had mm -hmm. was there. And actually, I, I was living in the desert in Casa Grande, I would spend the nights howling like the coyotes. I mean, I mean, I was a broken, broken person, but I had something to live for. 
Mm. And so I could get up in the morning and go to work. And I had patients that I had to work with and so on and so forth. And I, I was really, you know, the pain was, was terrible, but I had to do this thing. And I found that there was other, you know, life still went on. Mm-hmm. I still had things to love and people to love and, and people who loved me and, and all of this. Life was still going on. Mm. But I, every time I thought about Bill, there was the pain until mm. I think it was a long time. Uh, uh, one of my anniversaries of our wedding, I woke up during the night and I went over what I call memory memory lane. Mm. And I began to look at what Bill and I had done together. And I thought, you know, Gladys, you can spend your time wishing that you still had that. Yes. Or glorying in the fact that you had it and you did it and you it was what a great and that you it led you to the place where you are now. And now look at what you've got and so on. Mm. And now the way I look at what what happened in my life is that I don't regret one moment that I spent with Bill McGarry because I loved him and I still love him and that's okay. But I do understand that the whole process Mm. is still my choice. I can either choose to to work with the love that we had, which created amazing things, or suffer with the pain that came because I didn't have it. Mm. But I can understand that something was going on in his life that he had to deal with. And um, he died with uh, senile dementia. Mm. But, but I look at it now as we had an amazing life together and then Bill took a vacation. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I have nothing to do with what he did yeah. or how he did it or anything like that. I can choose to think about what they did or what they created or all that stuff mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and just get myself all discombobulated mm-hmm. and, and, uh, yeah. and not able to work. But mm-hmm. I don't choose to do that. Mm-hmm. Powerful. Mm-hmm. Powerful. What about being a parent? You've had six kids. Give us oh. some guidance on like, what does it take to be a parent what is it to be a good parent that you've learned through real experience? And how can we raise our children to be whole, happy beings without, you know, screwing them up too much? <laughs> <laughs> well, I couldn't have done the work that I did without my children ah. because they were my anchor. Mm. At times when uh, life was really hard and that the divorce wasn't the only one, time but you know there have been times in my life that i've been on the brink but my children were there and these amazing little people growing up it's like um uh, my number uh, number two son who's with me now and helping me 
a retired Presbyterian minister, but he wow. was seven, seven years old. And he came in, says to me, I wish Jesus was here. And I <laughs> said, well, I do too, but why do you? And he said, because I've got questions. Wow. And I said, okay, well, um, why don't, why don't you ask? Maybe I can help you. Maybe, uh, you know, and he says, but you don't have the answers. <laughs> so why don't you just try me? So he says, okay, how could God be if he never got started? Whoa. And I said, oh yeah, well, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe it's like a circle. It doesn't have a beginning or an end. He mm. says, I knew you didn't have the answers. And he runs. <laughs> but he's become a Presbyterian minister. Because he had those questions. He asked them. He studied them. He, you know, did all the things that he needed to do. And he's retired now. And he's here helping me do mm. the things that, I, that I'm doing now. So, and, and then my number four son, when he was four, he came in and he says, I know something. And I says, well, okay. He says, if I make a friend and he makes a friend and he makes a friend, it's going to go all around the world and come back to me. And he's become a psychologist. Wow. The humanistic psychology group. You know, these were, this was the kind of juice that my kids brought to me so mm. that I could continue to do the work that I needed to do. Mm. And, and Bill and I, when we st started dating, decided we wanted six children. So mm. we had six children mm. and it's, uh, and I've never regretted um, anything. What's the key? What's the key to raising happy kids? Were, were there any things you did? Were there any advice you could give for those of us that have kids, about to have kids, like, you know, things you wish you knew that you did that worked? Don't lie to them. Don't lie to them. Don't lie to your children. Be, be honest with them. How honest? If, if you're feeling horrible, mm. you're feeling horrible. And they can respect that or not respect it, depending on what's going on in their lives. But, but being honest with each other, because if they were hurting, I wanted to know that. Mm. I didn't want to just downplay it. Mm. You know, if uh, it's like my son that's a retired uh, minister, he has a grandson now and uh, his wife and is helping his daughter to, with the, her children and so on because we are because our lives are in two different places we're still all connected. But when the little guy who is in Pennsylvania gets hurt, he calls. He says to his his grandmother, mm -hmm. "I need Gramps. I need Gramps." So they call and Gramps. Does something, gets, throws him a kiss or something like that, and he's his boo boo is fixed. I mean, it's a matter of realizing that love doesn't have walls. It doesn't. Right. It's it's not stopped by the fact that life has separated John and Bobby, the the, the 
they're both Presbyterian ministers, but this time in their lives, they're, they're serving different purposes mm. in the family. Mm. And it's, I think, I think the, the most important thing to do is to be kind, be happy, joy, be joyful. And when you're hurt, let people know that you're hurt. Mm. I mean, uh, my kids were really, in, in fact, the, um, I was going through a really hard time at one point along the line. But when I came home from work, the Bob, the one that makes a friend and makes a friend, at 18 months old was sitting at the, at the, on the steps waiting for me wow. to come and pick him up. And we would go in and I'd sit in my rocking chair and he'd pet my shoulder until my life kind of got settled back down again. Oh, wow. You know, if, if the love is flowing freely within the, there are times when you're angry. Mm. Well, yeah, you're angry, <laughs> but you, you understand why are you let the anger go or, you know, but you don't just hang on to it and say, you, you know, kids, if, if they're restricted, they'll tell you they, they hate you. But if you, <laughs> that, if you take that as serious and punish them for hating you, uh, that doesn't help any. Mm. You don't retire. You, reti you don't hate for hate or love for love, mm -hmm. joy for joy. And um, um, my mother was a, a great example of this. Because, see, when I started um, uh, in school, I was so severely dyslexic wow. that I couldn't read or write. I couldn't. Uh, I had to repeat first grade twice. Wow. And so I was the class dummy and the teacher thought I was and all that. But when I got into third grade, I had a teacher who saw something in me that um, uh, she anointed, uh, appointed me as class governor. Because this was in India where, you know, so because I could talk and I could play work with the other kids and I could organize stuff. I was doing things that she saw when I couldn't read or, or mm. had figures or anything. So it, it was a matter of a teacher seeing in me and my mother and uh, our, I, you know, my community. Mm -hmm. supported me through that time mm. to the point where at one point when uh, this third grade part I was presenting a uh, play to the whole student body and it wow. was the frog that jumped over the pool so since I was bigger than the other kids since I was held back and all that I could jump over this patent of water and my mother made me a, a, a frog suit and had <laughs> dried green and all that. So I was really happy with all this. And I came out on the stage feeling very confident. But I looked into the audience and my two older brothers were there. And it threw me off my pace so that instead of ju jumping over the pond, I jumped in it. <laughs> and I'm standing there and so scared and so broke, you know, that I'm crying and I sit down in the pan and I'm sitting there crying 
and the audience is hooting up laughing. I mean, the whole mm-hmm. audience is laughing and I'm crying. The teacher finally took me off the stage mm-hmm. and we got home. But at dinner, my mother was so amazing. At dinner, the, my brothers are telling mom and the whole family how hysterical this was. You know, how how funny this whole thing was of me in the pond because he said my uh, suit was fading, the green was fading. <laughs> it was a total disaster. And I'm so mad I can't see straight. I'm looking at them and trying to give them the eye and they, they're just having a good time. Until finally my mother says, all right, boys, now you've had your fun. But what can we do as a family Mm. so that we could help Gladdy if she ever got into something like this in her life and wouldn't have to have people laughing at her, right. laughing with her. Mm. And I have no idea what it was that we as a family came up with, but whatever it was, it's helped me through my whole life. Wow. Because there are times when I've tripped and fallen on the stage and things mm-hmm. like this. You know, these things happen. I'm curious, you mentioned... Uh... A couple of moments, and it's just the last couple of questions here, but there have been a few moments, more than a few moments, I'm sure, in your life where you were on the brink. Uh, and I would love to hear, especially for those listening in today, that you know, the last few years with this pandemic thing and has been hard. Life is hard enough. Yeah. And there may be folks listening in that may be in a stage where things haven't worked out, they feel broken, heartbreak relationships, financially strapped, struggling, going through a tough time. And maybe they really feel like giving up. They're in that moment where like, I'm done with life. I'm done with my dreams. I just want to give up. Was there a moment where, like if you could recall a tough moment in your life where maybe you felt like giving up, where you weren't sure how the hell you were going to make it through. And I'm wondering like, what was it? And, 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 and how did you, how did you keep going? Because you're 102 and you've kept going and you didn't stop. So give us some inspiration for those that feel like giving up. I can't give you one moment. I could give you dozens. Dozens. There are, life goes on. Mm. And and I always had a purpose. Mm. I was here to to bring healing for other people Mm. and myself. And I had to live what I was saying, because if I uh, allowed my, I was actually broken. And when when Bill asked for the divorce, mm-hmm. I I had a brother who, who was working with the Tibetan people, and he invited me to go to Tibet for a month to help him. Wow. Because you see, and then I was able to get out of the environment for a while long enough that I could focus on the whole process of healing. Mm. And he was my brother and I, our love connection was what was brought us back together again. And then I came, when I came back, my daughter and I were able to continue the practice of medicine. But there, there are, there's always, the sun always comes up. Mm. And there's always light to look for if you're going to look for it. Mm. I kind of liken it to having a little flashlight mm-hmm. and we're on the path. And sometimes 
we can't go any farther than just one more step where the light mm-hmm. shines. Mm-hmm. And but if we but we take that step. Yes. And yes. Then the, the light takes it a little farther, and we take the next step and the next. Mm-hmm. Step. And you can't go any farther than that that step. Mm-hmm. And it's not a failure if you can't. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that it's, it's a matter of taking life as it comes to us, whatever that it is, in our process. Because I think everything that we experience has is a lesson. Mm-hmm. And we can either learn from it or not. Yes. It's a choice. And it's this inner being that we've been given that is the ability to choose. Mm, 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 powerful. Dr. Gladys, I'm curious. Um, when you look, you've shared a lot today, but when you look back on your entire 102 and a half years, mm-hmm. um, ups, downs, successes, failures, parenthood, being married, being an author, living your purpose, if you were to pick the three most important life lessons that you, you would say, here are the three concepts that lessons that I've learned in my life that if I'm going to pass these three keys to the next generation, these three keys will evolve the consciousness of the next generation the most. Here it is to my grandchildren and their grandchildren. Like what, what would your, in just one sentence, like what would the three keys be? First would be have a purpose. Got it. All come as a purpose. Mm -hmm. The second is not to get stuck. You're going to get stuck. It happens over and over again, but not to let it hold you back. Mm. Realize when you're stuck and begin looking for it. Begin looking for the solution. Begin looking for the light. Begin reaching for the inner core. Mm. And the third is have your community. Depend on others. Depend on yourself, but depend on others too. We Mm. all are in this together. Yeah, beautiful. Purpose, don't get stuck. Community. Um, What's the best way people can find out about you and your work? I know you have this amazing book, A Life Well Lived, folks. I just want to encourage you to, depending on when you listen to this, pre-order, order uh, Dr. Gladys's book, Life Well Lived on Amazon. Go check it out. Trust me. Uh, anyone who's lived 102 and a half years and lived the depth of experience that she has, you want to tap into her knowledge and wisdom um, so that you can you know, compress decades into days in your life and learn from her experience. So get the book. Uh, is there a best website? We'll put your website in the show notes.com. So, say that again. GladysMcGarry.com. GladysMcGarry.com, folks. Check out her work. Uh, we'll put all of uh, her links in the show notes. Check out her book. I'm curious, Dr. Gladys. Um, you've lived a long life. When you look at the world now and you look at where it's going, how do you feel about it? There's lots of folks that feel a bit scared in terms of where the world's going. I'm curious how you feel. Are you excited? What excites you? What do you see as the opportunities as you've lived decades and you've seen so many uh, changes? Well, personally, I am focused on having a village for living medicine Mm. because I think living medicine is the answer to 
what medicine is all about. Yes. And it's the five L's and those things. But the, but the reality is that I still have work to do. I think it's, maybe it's a good 10-year plan. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> You're just getting but, started. But I need to, really need to have this village for living medicine become a right reality on this planet. Mm, beautiful. And the start of it is a loving birth center. And we didn't, you know, we don't have oh, to get into it. We didn't even dive into that. But, uh, you know, I, th- I think what might be cool if you're up for it uh, to do a part two, um, yeah. if you're up for it to this conversation and maybe talk a bit about uh, a bit about birth. I would love to get into the subject of birthing, the importance of birthing, because I know you and I talked about that when I met you in Phoenix. And I think it's such an important topic. So if you're open, we'll be in touch to do a part two and we'll maybe see if you can right. release these two episodes together because right. uh, you have so much wisdom and knowledge. So Dr. Gladys, thank you. I would love that. Bless you. Sending you so much love. Yeah. Folks, you heard it. Check out Dr. Gladys's links in the show notes. Check out her book on Amazon, uh, The Life Well Lived. And let me know. Send me an email, coopblackson at coopblackson.com. I would love to hear your key takeaways from today's episode. Share this episode with anyone and everyone in your life that you feel would benefit. Write a review. And I will see you next week on Soul Talk. Much love. If you've enjoyed this episode of Soul Talk, please do share the podcast with all of your friends. Let everyone know and make sure you download Soul Talk today. I'm looking forward to next week where I'll get to share more inspiration with you. Meanwhile, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or social media. You can find out more about my work at www.cooplaxon.com. If you feel ready to take your life to the next level, join me at my exclusive event in Bali, www.boundlessblissbali.com, where you can find out more and apply. Also, make sure to remember to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment at coopblaxon.com. Sending you all big hugs and love now.